0: Now, just let me remind you again, uh, gardening uh, towards the end of the programme. So, gardening queries, please, Oh eight three three double one double three double one. Now, this month on Tipperary's Hidden History, Dr. Conor Reedy journeys through the extraordinary life of Anne Daly, a little girl who left uh, Tipperary in the 1860s and went on to shape the landscape of healthcare and education in Australia. And uh, discover her unwavering commitment, visionary leadership, and enduring legacy that uh, continues to inspire generations.
1: Irish nuns have a long and storied history of venturing abroad, leaving an indelible mark on various corners of the world. Their journeys often intertwined faith, compassion and a commitment to serving communities in need. In the 19th century, Irish nuns played a pivotal role in establishing schools, orphanages and hospitals in the far reaches of Australia and New Zealand. This month on Tipperary's Hidden History, we embark on a journey through the extraordinary life of Anne Daly, who didn't leave Ireland as a nun, but rather as a four or five year old girl. Anne became renowned as Mother Mary Birchman's Daly, a visionary pioneer whose legacy shaped Australia's healthcare and education landscape. Born on the 28th of May 1860 in Tipperary, she was the ninth child of John Daly, a skilled blacksmith and Mary Cleary. The Daly family's fate took a significant turn around 1865 when they set sail for the shores of New South Wales Australia, eventually settling near Braidwood. However, tragedy loomed on the 4th of March 1867 when Anne's father John Daly passed away. Anne's educational journey began within the nurturing confines of her family home, where dedicated tutors provided her with a solid foundation of knowledge. Her thirst for learning knew no bounds, and as soon as she reached the suitable age, she sought opportunities with the Department of Public Instruction in Australia. In May 1877, she successfully secured a position as an assistant at Braidwood Catholic School, marking the commencement of her illustrious teaching career. Her dedication and passion for education led her to undergo further training, eventually leading her to Newtown Girls' School, Grafton Primary School and St Mary's Cathedral Girls' School in Sydney. At St Mary's, under the guidance of the Sisters of Charity, Anne Daly honed her teaching skills and garnered invaluable experience. In a pivotal moment in her life in May 1881, Anne made a profound decision that would reshape her future. She joined the Sisters of Charity at St Vincent's Convent in Potts Point, adopting the name Sister Mary Birchmans. Remarkably, her commitment to education persisted even within the new spiritual calling she had embraced. Throughout this transformative period, she continued teaching in St Mary's, nurturing her students' minds and her own spiritual journey. The year 1888 brought a new chapter in the life of Sister Birchmans, as she was called to a higher purpose. She was appointed to lead the first foundation of her order in Melbourne. A testament to her exceptional leadership qualities. On the twenty first of January, eighteen eighty nine, she took charge of St. Patrick's School on Victoria Parade, Melbourne, where she would soon leave an indelible mark. The school had been built by the late Dean Donaghy, a clergyman and close friend of Sister Birchman's. Under her tutelage, the school flourished, witnessing a remarkable threefold increase in the number of students. Within two years of her arrival, the wooden tenement, was replaced by a two-storey brick structure. By 1892, Sister Birchmans had risen to the esteemed position of the Superior of the Sisters of Charity in Melbourne. In this role, she took on the significant responsibility of overseeing not only St. Patrick's, but also four other primary schools that had been established by the Sisters between 1891 and 1897. However, Sister Birchman's unwavering commitment to education was not her sole calling. During her visits to the impoverished sick in Melbourne's inner city, she recognised a pressing need for a hospital operated by the sisters, akin to St. Vincent's in Sydney. This realisation led to the establishment, albeit temporarily, of the first St. Vincent's Hospital in 1893. Housed in a modest, low-roofed and old-fashioned boarding house at 3 Albert Terrace, she assumed the role of rectress, where her responsibilities extended beyond preparing young trainee nurses for examinations to arranging their practical training. Through relentless efforts and a fundraising campaign that raised £10,000 she meticulously planned the new hospital which would eventually open its doors in 1905. St Vincent's Hospital in Melbourne had humble beginnings, but Sister Birchman's and her sister nuns would gradually enlarge the facility and turn it into one of the most efficiently conducted hospitals in continental Australia. When it opened in 1893 St Vincent's had seven beds. During the following years it expanded to 120 beds by 1905. During those early years, between 1893 and approximately 1905, some 37,006 inpatients and 337,217 outpatients were treated at the hospital. This period also marked the relocation of what became known as the Catholic Ladies' College in Grey Street in East Melbourne. In the year 1910, Mother Birchman's achieved a significant milestone by negotiating the establishment of St Vincent's Clinical School in collaboration with the University of Melbourne. This transformative move aimed to enhance the efficiency of the hospital. The same year saw her embark on a remarkable journey to Europe, where she immersed herself in the latest developments in hospital administration. Her visionary outlook knew no bounds, and three years later she added another feather to her cap. A private hospital named Mount St. Elvins, established in 1913 on the site of a disused church. This facility emerged because, essentially, she saw that there was a market for private work in the health sector. St. Evans went on to become one of the most successful institutions in Melbourne. In keeping with her ingenuity, one of the last things she did in Melbourne was to purchase the site on which a nurse's home would eventually be built at St. Evans. In 1911, Mother Birchmans was actively involved in the initiation of the beatification process for Mother Mary Aikenhead, the founder of the Irish Sisters of Charity. It was from this order that the Australian congregation had its roots, stemming from its mission established in 1838. The year 1920 marked a significant turning point in Mother Birchmans' life. She was elected Superior General of the Australian Congregation, a role that would see her return to take up residence in Sydney with expanded responsibilities. In this prestigious position, she would oversee the establishment of a hospital in Queensland in 1920, followed by the founding of two additional hospitals in New South Wales, Lismore in 1921 and Bathurst in 1922. Furthermore, she played a pivotal role in facilitating the establishment of a clinical school at St. Vincent's Hospital in Sydney. She established convents at Clifton Hill in Melbourne and at St. Lewisham. She put plans in place for the building of a novitiate at Lane Cove in Sydney where she purchased 29 acres. Sadly, on the 4th of March 1924, After 42 years in the religious life, Mother Mary Birchman's Daily passed away at St Vincent's Hospital in Sydney after bravely battling a two-month illness. Her final resting place is at Rockwood Cemetery in Sydney, a site that echoes the profound impact that she had on Australian health care and education. The obituaries in the Australian National Press for the former little girl from Tipperary were plentiful and lavish in their praise. The Freeman's Journal of Sydney described the late Superior General of the Sisters of Charity of Australia as one, and I quote, whose life was rich in well-doing and who is widely mourned. Her work was well known in Australia and Victoria and New South Wales, and they have particular reason to cherish her memory. Her enthusiasm and her charm of manner made her popular with a large circle of admirers who appreciated her big plans and the wonderful gift of organisation which she possessed, The Albury Banner and Wodonga Express newspaper of New South Wales proclaimed that Mother Birchman's possessed, and I quote, an incessant energy, tact and an exceptional charm of manner. A large congregation attended her funeral at St. Patrick's Cathedral in Melbourne in March 1924. The Archbishop of Melbourne, Dr. Mannix, presided over the Requiem mass. The various communities of the Sisters of Charity, including St. Vincent's Hospital and the Catholic Ladies' College of East Melbourne, as well as many other sisterhoods were all represented in large numbers. Many members of the Christian Brothers community were also present. The medical, surgical and nursing staff of St. Vincent's Hospital were also present in huge numbers. The list of clergy reads like a great and good of the hierarchy in that part of Australia. The Archbishop of Sydney, the Archbishop of Adelaide, the Bishop of Maitland, the Bishop of Arndale, the Bishop of Lismore, the Bishop of Rockhampton, the Bishop of Bendigo, the Bishop of Cairns, the Bishop of Hayden, the Coadjutor Archbishop of Hobart, the Bishop Elect of Goulburn, the Superior of the Dominicans, the Rector of Xavier College, the Rector of Newman College, the Provincial of the Jesuits, Deacons, Subdeacons, some seventy priests, parochial and regular all formed the choir. The Passionist fathers were represented, as were the Marist brothers. All of this was an indication of the high standing of Mother Birchman's in the Catholic Church in Australia at that time. However, the presence of so many from the medical and educational communities also indicated the enormous respect that she held among these professions and in civil society generally. Her remains were taken to Rookwood Cemetery behind a procession of some 160 nuns representing various communities. Each one carried a lighted candle. The principal mourners were her brother John Daly and her sisters, also both nuns, Mother Alphonse of Melbourne and Sister Bede of Auburn. Mother Bershman's enduring legacy continues to inspire and resonate, commemorated by a bronze bust crafted by Paul Montford, unveiled in August 1935. At this poignant ceremony, heartfelt tributes were paid to her vision, intuition, courage and charm. Sir Thomas Dunhill aptly described her as, and I quote, unique in her day and generation, or in any day and generation, unquote. Her memory endures through the Birchman's Daily Wing of St. Vincent's, inaugurated in October 1960, a lasting testament to her enduring influence on the fields of health care and education in Australia. Mother Mary Birchman's Daily's Life was a testament to dedication, vision, and a deep commitment to the betterment of society, a legacy that continues to inspire today. What was it about the woman who started life as a child emigrant from Tipperary that allowed her to rise to national prominence as a nun in late 19th and early 20th century Australia? Among some of the most persistent accounts of Mother Mary Birchman's daily were several important characteristics that ensure that certain people stand out from the crowd. Geniality, strong administrative ability and zeal. One review published in the days after her death claimed that these things gained her scores of friends outside her immediate community. Irish nuns abroad have exemplified the values of compassion, resilience and selflessness. Their contributions to education, Health care and social justice have left a lasting legacy, demonstrating the profound impact that faith-driven individuals can have on the world. Their stories continue to inspire future generations to carry forward their mission of serving humanity. Earlier this year, in a BBC radio documentary series, the Irish broadcaster Olivia O'Leary opined, and I quote... Irish Catholic nuns were once almost as influential as the state. They ran most of the hospitals, were almost solely responsible for the secondary education of girls, and sent out an army of missionary sisters who helped to build an Irish Roman Catholic empire abroad." One thing is for sure, little Anne Daly's contribution to this paradigm should not be understated, and her story should no longer remain buried in Tipperary's hidden history.
0: Tipperary's Hidden History. Uh, Emma just reminded me um, a couple of days ago, in fact, that uh, Conor is on air with us doing Hidden Histories for five years, for five years uh, at this uh, stage, and he's been doing a remarkable job, I'm sure you will agree. All right, we'll take a break. When we come back, we'll talk gardening. Join the conversation in Tipperary.
1: Contact us through Facebook, Twitter, or email Tip Today at tipfm.com.